This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Let the train! You are listening to Wide Wednesday afternoon, everybody, from a beautiful fall, crisp freight alley. Yeah, feels good. Feels good to be back out. I was kind of laid up over the weekend and yeah. into Monday and into sure. yesterday. I don't know if I was sick so much as I just had like this really bad pressure like in the back of my head. Like, yeah, my head. If I laid down, it felt awful. It was right behind my eye. But, yeah, uh, I, I had know. the same thing. Two days just kicked my butt. You can still hear a little bit of my voice. Yeah, yeah, it was well, rough. I got a little TV watching it though while cool. I was laid up. I got a. I called this movie called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Oh. Just came out. It's kind of like this horror Gen Z spoof whodunit kind of thing. <laughs> they market it as a slasher. And I think that, you know, if you go into it thinking that, you'd be really disappointed. Oh, it's, really? <laughs> it's an interesting movie because it's by A24, right? And okay. it's marketed towards Gen Z, but it's also kind of like a send up and tear down of everything Gen Z. Like there's this big argument oh. near the end, and they're talking about how they're getting gaslit and you're ableist and facts your feelings and what are your pronouns. <laughs> so you're kind of like in the gray area. You might find some humor in all that. And okay. I can't fully recommend it though. Okay. I did get in a war kick though. I was watching on uh, some World War I documentaries that got a little bit of this game in called Battlefield One, where you feel like you're in the middle of the war. And then I uh, checked a little band of brothers out too. Yeah, you were having a discussion about that. Band of Brothers is awesome. Yeah. By well, way. I mean, you can get deep into those movies, and they just keep watching them over and over and over again. Right? Well, and, of course, the American Greed episode with Team Illy talking about Team different Millie. animals. Turkey of the year, wasn't he? This is truly a different animal. That animal is the Nikola Badger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on the show today we're gonna have ocean rates collapse we'll maybe meet the founder of georgia's first minority woman-owned trucking school we're not Anything's sure possible. she should be here by now but she you is not know. so we'll keep your eye out for that if she's not here guess what we'll get into the michael vincent origin story we need to put like an online poll up trucking school owner michael vincent origin story what do the people want they might want the origin story you never know yeah Freightways Alan Adler is going to show up. He's going to help break down that Nikola trial. He's going to tell us uh, if the badger is actually an animal. And (laughs) he'll talk about that American Greed show. (laughs) And that thing was wild. There was stuff about Team Millie I didn't even know about, like uh, ripping off that family with a security company. The woman ended up working at Walmart, right? Yeah, there was. you're right. I mean, it's like pre uh, Nikola is pretty interesting. (laughs) It sure is. And and then, like, she had to work the checkout line because he lived in that same community as he would, like, come in and buy his stuff at Walmart. And After he totally screwed him. Yeah, she's like, can I get my 300000 back? Yeah. He lost everything. (laughs) We'll get it to to Alan. It was was, uh, a lot. And we get the back to truck up guys here, too. They're going to talk about uh, temptation on the road. Like, what are the bucket bunnies for trucking? Bucket bunnies? What the hell's a bu- bucket okay. bunnies? Right. I don't know. Semi-squirrels? All sorts of things. We'll get into that. <laughs> we're talking about the most lucrative trucking mode. One of them, uh, we saw this. someone talking about their heavy haul, and they were making an insane number per mile. Mm. But is that the gig to jump into? We'll talk to those guys a little bit about it. If that Gotta makes have sense, some capital, man. Dry van. 
LTL, you do need some capital. All sounds saucy. Let's tip the band and we'll get into some news. Fleets today cannot waste time for fully driverless technology. Locomation's autonomous relay convoy systems are safe, legal, and portable with no federal regulations holding them back. Join Locomation for the fastest path to commercial deployment at scale across the U.S. To learn more, tell them, dude. Hey, visit locomation.ai forward slash no barriers. Headlines. No word from that guest yet either in the inbox. So ocean rates collapse. This is big news, though. Look at this post by my buddy Geo Mars. They service the port over there at Cargo Mag, the ports in SoCal. And he puts, where is our cargo? That is such a stark different picture than what you're all used to seeing during the congestion shipping crisis that we had been in in 2021, 2022. Is he L.A. Long Beach? Is that where he's L.A. Long Beach? Completely empty over there, and we're going to tell you why. Take a look at this next chart. Take a look at what is going on with the rates. Now, first, that's not going to tell you why there's no cargo there, because you'd say, hey, it's 2500 bucks. <laughs> why don't you just send your 40s over there, right? Yeah. Freighto's Baltic Daily Index, which measures FEUs, 40-foot containers, is down to 2515 It hasn't been that low since 2018, Michael Vincent. So wow. you see Rate Mountain over there, and then you see the cliff. It fell off. Well, it sure looks like a cliff to me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Trade says no. this. They say following a slowdown of growth in last August, container volumes at eight major Chinese ports further declined 12.3% year on year in early September, a period which is normally peak season for box volumes. What the hell is going on? It is unbelievable drop. I mean, demand is just going away. You can look at this next chart here, but this, this chart here that we're looking at is, is volumes. This is all ports to all ports, right? Yeah. This is, um, or all ports to the United States of America. So this could be Europe and all that kind of stuff. We saw a big jump in stuff coming out of Europe our way, as opposed to China, right? You're also looking at that bump there. We're going to golden week now, right? Sure. So there was a bump before golden week that happens as well, trying to get stuff in, but this next chart here, check this out. This is bookings. Yeah. And if you look over there to the right-hand side, it doesn't just end there. If you look close, there's a huge cliff that it drops off yet again, where demand is just falling and rates go down, right? Plus, you've got the West Coast ports pressure on those rates specifically. They're going down everywhere, right? Yeah. But on the West Coast, the port is going down. Now, you've heard Gene Soroka just recently as a couple of weeks ago go, hey, bring the cargo back over to the West Coast. We don't have anything to do, as evidenced by, uh, 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 what's his name, Gio? Bruno's cousin, Gio Mars? Yeah, Gio Mars. <laughs> right? You know, it's interesting to think about because it's such a follow-the-leader business yeah. freight, and so many supply chain decision makers they saw those rates at twenty thousand dollars and they reacted to them and then they stopped doing bookings and they saw their inventory but they're very slow to react aren't they because you look now and it's twenty five hundred and i've even seen some of the comments on these things and like yeah we stopped booking because it's twenty thousand dollars and you know we got inventory we'll blow through but it's twenty five hundred now like now is your value time to play but we never really play in the corners in freight right it's sort of like playing the stock market everyone goes crazy when it goes way up then when it's dropping it's like nobody's buying anything we steer that ship like it's a like it's a Ferrari. But here's the problem in that. Now, all the inventory that people are sitting on, and I granted it's hard to clear out, all that inventory is at those inflated 2021, early 2022 Correct. values. It's one of the reasons why, as we've talked about on here, if you go to a retail store right now or you try to buy something online, they're already pushing Christmas stuff to you. And they already were in September. They're like, we oh, yeah. have to get rid of these gigantic ass fake plastic trees. 
No, they have. They absolutely have to. And if you go to like a big box retailer right now, you'll see you'll see Halloween and Christmas right next to each other. Yeah, they're just piled up trying to get because. But yeah, you're right. And the prices aren't coming down yet because they can't. No, they're not ready to give up on those prices yet and take that hit. Well, so what does the holiday season look like then? Uh, it, it's interesting. You, are shippers going to find themselves in an inventory shortfall that they're playing catch up on? And they're going to cut on the other side of this because they're kind of falling leader. I don't know. It would be really tough to be in procurement and in I'm buying yeah. right now because you also like one thing in freight. One of the reasons people have to understand this is there's terms like no one ever got fired using C.H. Robinson. And what that means is that there's not a lot of innovators who are making decisions. A lot right, of people sit right. around and they go, if I make it may not be the right decision right now, but it's the one that would seem smart to executives. So I'm not really right. going to take risks, and I'm going to take. In, I'm going to be innovative, and then maybe I'll show them a freight waves article and say, "Hey, this is hitting everybody." However, if I'm your boss, I say to you, you know, you're reading those freight waves articles. Why don't you look at that sonar chart too? You would have seen this thing coming if you're reading those freight waves articles. You would have learned about this freight cliff when Henry Byers wrote about it in June, and you may not have been fully paying attention because to quote that movie bodies 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 you were getting gaslit <laughs> by some people on social media and some people who run media websites that are very much in bed with the carriers yeah. that have a giant conference in long beach that's supported by carriers and the whole time think about this yeah. think about this no, 20,000 right. to, to 2,500 and the whole time they're saying nothing's happening nothing, nothing to, see, to here. see here don't look at why are they gaslighting you? You're making decisions based on what you read in these things. Yeah. We don't say it to soak fear. We're saying it because it actually happened. We're saving people from putting heavy notes on equipment and expanding at times in both inventory and gear. Yeah. When the time may not suit. That's right. And they're, you know, and they, they, they're, they're pumping out stories like, and they're looking at, you know, in Gene Sroka, hey, another record month in like August. Yeah. Okay. But the, 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 the cliff of bookings fell off in June and July. Okay. It takes... Right now, with the backs up, it was taking good six weeks for that to hit the ports. It's like you don't order a TEU or book a TEU and it shows up next week. No, it doesn't. Or tomorrow. It doesn't show up for over a month. Well, during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic was like 120 days. Yes, and it was 120 days. So don't tell me about, well, how can it be falling off a cliff right now when imports are the highest day ever? Well, those ships, there's 300 ships sitting off the at that time. I mean, there were so many logical things to, to look at, and it was... The rise in inflation, the rise in fuel costs, the rise in food costs, sure. the rise in the cost of everything. Even services have started to go back up in cost because people are going back to those. Humans have a finite amount of money. People have a finite amount of money to spend on this stuff. Then you get the fear of the war and everything that's going on. Oh, my yeah. gosh. And, and, and still, for you know, try to hire people everywhere. You see uh, you know, job openings everywhere trying to get people into these places. It's interesting to see where they, what are they going to do with all this inventory. Because it is hitting some of the secondary stores that you go to, like yeah. Odd Lots, Ollie's, those type of things. They are packed with stuff, but so are the regular retail price stores. And it ain't cheap. So what will it do? And I know you're not a retail expert, but what do you think this will do to retail earnings if they do? Like, so Black Friday comes up. They, they just, they, look, we got to clear out this inventory. Again, high note inventory. It's got to cut into margins. It, it has to cut, it, cut into margins. I, I think that somebody is going to have to break this bank or maybe move. And you're, like you said, I'm no expert, but it seems to me it's one of those situations where it's like you've got all this inventory. You can't sell it because, one, it's getting out of season. And it's becoming old, outdated stuff because things get outdated really, really quickly. The other thing is that the American consumer just saw another really crappy CPI index come out, right? Your, 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 uh, your uh, uh, price index uh, inflation come out. Yeah. Not good. 
right? Another bad one. So the, the demand isn't there. Things are already soft. It's going to be a soft season. Eventually, somebody's going to have to say, all right, you know, listen, we got to free up some of this capital and this inventory and cut our losses and just move on and accept a margin that is maybe, you know, 20% instead of 30. Yeah. You're just going to have to eventually. What are you going to do with all this stuff? I mean, it's got to go somewhere and pawning it off on third world countries and stuff like that is something that we do quite a bit. You know how many Minnesota Viking Super Bowl shirts I saw when I was in Bolivia? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of the holiday seasons coming up, Postal Service has set their delivery cutoff dates. So out there, you want to send out some packages. Now, again, this year may be a little bit looser, but they're putting that information out there. The U.S. Postal Service on Tuesday said its cutoff date for shipments to be tender in time to be delivered by Christmas Day. Shipments moving under the Postal Service's retail ground product must be tendered by December 17th to arrive by Christmas. That's what the Postal Service is telling you right now. Retail ground targets uh, users shipping heavier packages who are willing to sacrifice fire faster transit times for lower rates, retail ground, which is sold at postal counters to non-commercial customers, is a maximum weight of 70 pounds. And if you ever sent something that's like over five pounds, it gets really pricey really quick. Not by not by the U.S. Postal Service. No, <laughs> I it ratchets up quick, man. <laughs> so the same cutoff dates are going to apply to the first-class mail services and shipments of up to one pound moving under the Postal Service first-class packaging service. Obviously, the Postal Service said uh, December 19th for the cutoff deadline for priority mail two- to three-day delivery services, that. And the agency set a December 23rd deadline for its priority mail express overnight services. Um, it's it's really interesting because I don't think any of those are actually guaranteed delivery, right? Guaranteed? Uh, I don't think so, no. <laughs> well, I guess, so, yeah. but that's still the cutoff date for when you got to get set up out. So you're sending yeah. big stuff this Christmas. There's your cutoff dates. More and more of these are going to be coming out. We'll inform you as they, they reach out. Maybe yeah. we'll call you on phone because, meanwhile... Is talking on the phone getting out of hand? Look out! You need phone relief. The ultimate enhance-free phone design. Watch. <laughs> Simply attach the special bubble back fastener to any phone. Then attach the phone relief headset. It's that easy. Hands-free, pain-free. You'll wonder how you ever lived without it. It's perfect for remotes. Now talk hands-free anywhere, anytime. All this work is a pain for Mr. Phone in the Neck, but you won't miss a beat with hands-free freedom. <laughs> a Bluetooth a must for the entire <laughs> office. Work goes <laughs> quicker yeah, and easier. The padded headset <laughs> Remember the one was easily like the, and is fully adjustable. Uh, it like a, like a, uh, it was like a wedge phone, that you just attached to it and you put it on your shoulder. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that big, like, hang-off thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Call toll-free order by credit card and make this your last phone of the neck call. Like when I was, like, I don't know if that number's still active. This commercial's from 1982, people. So <laughs> let's see keep your credit cards in your pockets. I know you're. Uh, you got your phone on you. Call that number. Let's, call, let's call it up. Let's see if they. See maybe our guest is on that line. Who Tanner, knows? call that number. We'll call them up over in Omaha, <clears throat> uh, Nebraska. So we were supposed to have a guest on. She uh, is the first minority women-owned trucking school in Georgia. Maybe she's caught in traffic in Georgia. Have you ever driven out there? I don't know, but I'm going to take this opportunity to do something that I've wanted to do for a while, which is interview you, Michael Vincent. Oh, okay, cool. Well, you know, because one of the reasons is you're on here frequently because you co-host it. That makes sense, doesn't it? It does. It no, does make sense. You I'm often, on here a lot. You often reference your um, <laughs> you often reference your experience in the industry, don't you? It's all lies. It's all bullshit. Let's start there. How'd you get started out in this business? Um, yeah. So uh, I, I was interviewed. I interviewed at uh, at, at Broadway Express. I, I graduated from from college. And I took a job as a uh, claims. Hey, what did you go to college for? Uh, marketing and finance, international finance and marketing. 
guess that sort of you're sort of doing that. Like no, kind of. I, I get. Well, now nah, I mean, yeah, it took me 34 years in logistics. Yeah, I guess. Well, it took me like I went to school for music technology, and like after I left the music industry, it was oh, years I went before to, I, I went to school because I was going to be a doctor or a lawyer. You but I came out as a, a as a <laughs> doctor dude and general management. <laughs> general you know manager. how that works. <laughs> yeah, I'm only a doctor. It's like you reduced to the mean. It's like, yeah, I'm more of a general yeah, manager. I don't know. I shot my stance yeah. too, too high. But, so uh, how the hell did you end up at Roadway? Uh, so, uh, yeah, yeah um, uh, traveling around the country doing stuff, kind of pissed off, couldn't find a good job. And uh, I, I, so I interviewed at Roadway a couple times, and they told me um, that uh, if I was committed, maybe I should call them in a while. And I told them uh, I've, uh, you know, driven two hours out to Toledo from Menor, Ohio, like four times for these interviews. You call me if you're serious. And then like four months later, they called me, and my parents said I had to take a real job because I was bumming around. I was ski patrol. I was doing some goofy stuff. And you were the ski patrol? Yeah, tiles and stuff like that. So I was just goofy around and and um yeah the parents said you got to take a job we you know is ski patrol sort of like how it is in my head it's just like a bunch of snow bunnies and yeah. guys and people drinking and yeah maybe doing yeah. some other recreational stuff yeah and that yeah pretty that, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i think there's anybody? a movie yeah i know i know and that's kind of the plot of the movie. you ever save anybody <laughs> no. Oh. no 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 what about roadway you ever have one of those uh what year was this you're at roadway uh roadway was 88 80 89 oh so yeah, those head those head things were invented by that time I don't know if they were yet. Yeah, well, that, was, that commercial was from 1982. <laughs> I don't know if they were yet. We didn't have, like, we would... So at that time, when I was in it, okay, Hot Freight was this. Uh, through the AS400 system, yeah. you could send a thing called a Twix. What's that for people who don't know, who aren't 900? Uh, what, an AS400? Yeah, some people might know. Uh, it's the old green screen computers, right? Yeah. <laughs> Very stable, excellent stuff for uh, back in the day. But so we had these little the, the little terminals, right? And you, so you could send a Twix, which is just what it would do is send a message to any one of the terminals, 937, I think we had yeah. at the time. Left or right? Um, what's Twix. That? It was uh, d- both sides at okay. that time. They didn't split the Twix yet okay. at that time. Wow. But uh, all it was was it would print out a, a little message on a dot matrix printer. Some yeah. clerk would rip it down and put it in a cubby hole that said Tim Dooner. And hopefully sometime during that day, you'd read it and say, oh, Mike Vincent needs that package to get on that truck that I closed four hours ago. <laughs> and that's how hot freight worked. <laughs> and you move stuff. It was pretty, pretty, pretty shoddy. But... So, like, what were you, because I'm always, like, especially earlier in your career, because you're in a yeah. much different place now, like, what were you thinking at that time? Like, great, I'm making money to, to do beer, or were you liking freight as an industry? Like, how did you grow I didn't from care that? at all about freight, and the job was rough. It was uh, nights, open-air dock. Uh, I had it was 12-hour shift, 6 to 6, but I had to be there at 5, and I had to stay uh, until 7 because we had pro- pre-meeting and, and post-meeting, right? So it was really a 14-hour, seven straight days, nights on a Toledo dock. Uh, winters, it was like minus 5 and 40 degrees. Um, I saw a guy tear a pinnel hook off the back of a, of, a, of a truck with his hand because it was so cold out there and the steel was so brittle. Uh, it was rough. It, it was rough. Uh, but I made good money, and I was off every other week. So I had yeah. I had I had uh, twenty six weeks of vacation a year. So who is like the most demented person you work with? I've worked in warehouses before, and you always meet a couple of uh, interesting characters. <laughs> My first TOM was was tough, man. Yeah, um, he was. Uh, he I learned a lot from him, but at the time I hated him. Uh, but also, what would happen is about five o'clock in the morning every morning, he would come down to the end of the dock and say, "All right, get out of here." And that yeah. meant I would jump off the end of the dock, sneak across the line hall yard, and go out to a bar at, at Point Place and reserve tables. 
and then all the supervisors and half the teamsters would show up and we'd get drunk till two o'clock in the afternoon and walk out, you know, that day drinking. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then Too well. go home, try and sober up in three hours and get back on the dock. We did that for four years. <laughs> so where do you go from roadway after that? Like, how do you end up over? So roadway. In this so, yeah. So roadway was interesting. So roadway, we, we started, we were looking towards trying to be uh, the quality carrier, differentiate ourselves from yellow and everybody else. Right. Cause it was all the same thing. Right. Yeah. And it was just shortly after deregulation. It wasn't that long after that, about a decade afterwards. So people were still trying to figure their shit out. But uh, we were trying to win the Malcolm Baldridge Award. I became this quality supervisor, which then led to this position called the District Turk, which was a work methods manager. Okay. Me and the vice president of, of the district or the division are the only ones who knew my, my schedule. I might be in Pittsburgh at 1 o'clock in the morning, and then I might be in Cleveland, Ohio at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was just auditing, basically spying on people, making sure they were doing the right things, right, is, is what I was doing. And then after the strike... I think it was 92 or 94, the strike, um, I became the first cluster manager. I was running five terminals in, in central Pennsylvania. Literally on a Friday, each one of the five terminals had their own manager. Yeah. I walked in Monday. I was the only manager there. So what does running a terminal entail for those of us who've never? Uh, you do them? everything. So you've got, I had barns that had uh, 12 drivers. I had barns that had three drivers. Um, and, and in between, there was five of them. And so you do everything. You're, you're HR. You're, you are the, uh, you are the, um, uh, the, the representative of the, com- the company to deal with the, uh, with the, uh, the uh, union stewards yeah. uh, and the business agents for the for the union. Um, the, you're the recruiter. You're HR. You're safety. Your your uh, maintenance. You are everything in in that term. You wear every single hat. OS and D booking, dispatch, dock, uh, line haul. You you run everything. You have to know everything. So how is it with the drivers? Because we always like whenever we talk about these sort of conflicts, like the driver hates the warehouse yeah. and the docks, and the docks hate the drivers. Yeah, and and you both think each other are useless. Yeah. Was was that the environment that you were in? When uh, in in the bigger barns, when you first got there, yes. But I converted a lot of the bigger barns into like the small where we had combo. Like you had, I had dock driver combo yeah. guys, and they really liked that concept because the smaller ones they don't have a supervisor, so I had to rely on the union guys to actually run the dock and yeah. decide where things were going. And they loved it because you got to load your own truck for all your pickups and deliveries, Ooh. right? So you got to do it, right? And then as long as we, were, I'd have business meetings with them just like I would supervisors and then the bigger the bigger docs actually like that too because the drivers got to decide what their days were and once they figured out that I knew when they were screwing me it, it was good because I just listen I can bring in management and we can freaking play this whole stupid me against you game or we can continue on the way we're doing it make some some good ORs and people leave us alone out here in central Pennsylvania and we'll live a good life that was about it so that's <laughs> what we did so what happened you were living a good life why did you get out of the life Ah, well, there's a guy out there called Terry Gilbert, and he knows who he is, and he's a good friend of mine now, but at the time, he became vice president of my division. Terry Gilbert was a terminal manager that I had. Who's he? Who who knows who he is? He he knows who he is. (laughs) Terry Gilbert Gilbert knows who he is. Okay. (laughs) He was a former former president of Roadway Express. He was a a president of Roadway Express when they sold Yellow. Yeah. Okay. Early on in my career, we had a run-in. Years later, he became the division vice president. My career at Roadway was over. I left and went to Tropical Shipping because, because of that. We've, we've reconciled and we're, we're good buddies, actually, right now, which is kind of cool. But that's why I left. That's why I left Roadway. Otherwise, I'd probably still be there. So, well, I'd be yellow. Before we move on to Adler, how did you end up here at Freight Waves? 
Wow. So I, I worked for uh, the Fuller family. Uh, uh, John Bowes and I ran a company called Express Global Systems, which still exists. Yeah. Uh, and we spun it off for Max Fuller. For, it was a wholly owned subsidiary for US Express. We spun that off, finished our contracts there. Uh, and we were looking to start our own uh, logistics company. And Craig said, hey, I'm going to start this thing called, uh, I think we're Trans Risk at the time or yeah. something like that, or tran uh, Trans FX or something. Um, and, uh, so we went to, uh, 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 listen to what he was talking about. We had no idea what he was talking about when he was talking about freight futures, et cetera, <laughs> and the data, but we jumped on board anyways. And here I am. Wait, why? Like he was that charismatic? How did that work? Yeah, no, I mean, it was, it, it, it made sense. I mean, you know, C Craig is a brilliant guy Yeah, and I've known him, uh, for, me for about 15 years before coming here. Never True. worked directly for him, but kind of for him and knew that this guy, he was an innovator. And the way he explained what he was doing, it was the perfect time to start Freightways because he had tried digital before, but yeah. he was way ahead of the time. He was trying to create a business that didn't have the data and access to the data and transparency that we did when we started this five, six years ago. Right. So when he started explaining how the cell phones and, and, and all this nascent technology was now had all this exhaust data and we could bring this together and, and it made perfect sense uh, to go for it. And, and so we did. Wow. We shut down our business and did this. Well, we'll continue your freight waves journey next time we get stood up by a guest and we will get people deeper in there. But, you know, I don't even know why I asked you, like, is he that charismatic? Because, like, yes, for me obviously. no, I mean, for me personally, it took one LinkedIn message from him to get me to move my entire family oh, from it, Boston it, down to here. Yeah, it only takes a second to understand this is a special kind of human being who's got some visions and you should probably listen to him. No, who's not a special kind of human being? Who? Trevor Milton. Oh. Let's look at him get kicked <laughs> in the nuts by a Sasquatch. <laughs> The new uh, Doritos mask, smoking cheddar barbecue. It's freaking amazing. Have you tried one? No. Try some jerky? No, no, I'm good. This is all I need. All right. <laughs> you, want, you want some jerky, big fella? Oh. <laughs> Milton on the left, who just got <laughs> nutted. If only. If only. Freightways, <laughs> 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 uh, Detroit Bureau Chief. Alan Adler, I don't know if he's ever kicked Trevor Milton in the nuts. Let's find out. How's it going, Alan? <laughs> but, you know, it's great. I had never seen Sasquatch in the Doritos commercial until uh, last night's uh, airing of uh, American Greed, which is now, you know, picked up on Trevor. Um, another one of those things that the jury that's on, you know, sort of a COVID recess right now, uh, shouldn't be watching. You know, the judges told them don't read oh. about the case. I don't think they're supposed to watch that either. American Greed? What about What the Truck? Has that been approved? Uh, you know, I don't know if it made the list, dude. Should <laughs> we didn't make the show. I can't I know, believe I we didn't make for, it. Because we interviewed him on a podcast, yeah. and I was I looking know, for them to put... Turkey of the Year. Yeah. And he, well, you well, know, no, dude, he we had him booked. on, and he told us that, like, everyone thought he was running a prostitution ring. Like, his neighbors were on to him from the start. Yes. I remember yeah, I said well, to him, if I told him. Was, If everybody was so smart... How did this happen? Right. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, you, you got to You got to look at, at what's come out in court. And we had Matt, Matt Lee on last night on uh, SXM uh, to talk about Matt's been our stringer covering the case. And he has been sending me notes and then I write the stories, uh, you know, for, for FreightWaves.com. And it's fascinating because so much of what's in, you know, last night's visualization of the Hindenburg report, really, uh, you know, and a few new things that I hadn't seen before. Uh you know, very little of that's come out in court because in court, you can only prosecute what you've charged somebody with. You can't bring up other stuff. You can't bring in, you know, past issues and, yeah. and you know, 
things that you've done. So, but it speaks uh, you know, to his character, Alan. Very interesting. What's yeah, that? It, speaks to, it speaks to his character. Like the, the things you're mentioning and, you know, we'd read the Hindenburg, we'd covered it. And like that Sasquatch commercial, I hadn't seen that before. And I didn't really know a couple of these like backstories yeah. and how much of, at least according to that show, how much of a grifter he's been since early on. Like he started out, I don't, he's like the Joker. He sucked at wrestling. So the next thing he does is he leaves school and, he, you know, he drops out of college after a semester and he's selling security systems and he rips off this poor, they're telling the story of this poor family. He rips them off and he sells them this company where all the IOUs were actually already paid to trevor milton he sold them a fake bill of goods and this poor lady ended up having to work like she's working at walmart now because her family lost all her money and insult to injury trevor milton still shops at the damn walmart it goes to her line goes to her line yeah he doesn't even doesn't even which is which is sort of i mean you know you look you have to be a sociopath you have to be a bit of a sociopath to rip people off like that all the time yeah, I, I don't I can't get into too much of the psychology because remember, and I always have to remind you of this, Dooner, there were days when we thought this guy was pretty special yeah. before you called him Turkey of the Year. I mean, we we bought into him and I don't I don't know that everything he said is a lie as much as it's mistimed because you know, next year, these guys will be building hydrogen powered trucks. Right now they're building battery powered trucks. This was the kind of stuff he talked about. He just didn't use the correct uh, tense, right? I mean, you know, he said we're doing it now. We're not doing it now. We're going to do it. And yeah, I don't think that would have been compelling. Uh, right? Yeah, yeah there was, yeah, uh, there, was uh, there was. I mean, his his also his explanation and his in his uh, you know bragging about how they reduced the cost of producing hydrogen and it was 100 percent green. Right. I mean, he claimed that his brother uh, who like was you know laying concrete a week yeah. before solved one of the hardest things in science that no other scientist in you know. That, that was yeah. a little bit crazy, right? I remember talking about that. Going, Alan, here's the thing. But Alan, let, me, let me play advocate. Let me play advocate here, uh, uh, Michael, because it's interesting in court, the whistleblower, which was alluded to in the TV show last night, mm-hmm. but the whistleblower actually testified in court. And one of the things he said was he made $600,000 by sharing information with Hindenburg, right? What's Hindenburg? Hindenburg's a short seller. They were betting against Nicholas Stock and sure. they won. And they won huge, okay? Now, this whistleblower, interestingly enough, is in for an even bigger payday from the whistleblower, the Federal Whistleblower Act. He could get a, a piece of the fine that, that Nikola already has agreed to pay, and they're trying to get the money back from Milton. But he could get 10 to 30% of $125 million, not a bad paycheck for basically ratting out somebody you work for. So let's remember, there aren't very many heroes in this story. No. Well, no, wait a second. Right. Wait a second. Well, I know there's not because I'm watching this and there's all these people who are like, I gave Milton money. I was in on Nicola. Where are well, the whistles obviously still in their pocket or under their shirt? Where were they blowing in? How are some of these people still involved with the company when they were involved in this grift from the beginning? At least it sounds that way. Well, I, I don't know where this uh, good friend of his came from. I can't remember his name last night that, that, that came up. He's not come out in court. And I think the prosecution knows about him, Dooner, yeah. but they did not call him because he's probably super impeachable. There's probably something that they really don't want to come out. And that's why he's not testifying. Because one of the things I heard last night for the first time was, yeah, Trevor told us, you know, we should probably get rid of our stock like in yeah. July of 2020. And I didn't do it. I held on till it got to $30 and then I did it. So he still made money obviously. But but the point is that, you know, I can't find very many purely 
pure motive people in this whole matter, okay? Not Mark Russell. Mark Russell is the current and soon-to-be outgoing CEO, great guy, but he is the CEO of Nikola, and he and Trevor worked together at Worthington Industries. And, oh, by the way, Worthington was the one that paid Trevor, was it 14 or $16 million for D-Hybrid or whatever the heck he called it? You know, so, so you know, they have a they have a history. They also co-own some stock, though it's pointed out that, Milton only owns a, a small fraction of like 40 million shares of Nikola that he and Russell own together. Kim Brady is mad. Kim Brady is the CEO of Nikola. He's mad at Trevor because he's paying his legal bills, right? I mean, when Trevor blew out of the company, was pushed out of the company, he got them to agree to pay for his legal defense. So all these high-powered lawyers, including the one who tested positive for COVID, uh, you know, are are basically getting paid by Nikola right now, which is not something they want to be doing. Wow. <laughs> what about the guys who left him on the beach when they we went hiking in Maui? Yeah, well, that was a sad story. What about story? those guys? Well, I mean, come yeah. on. Good Trevor's, luck a, home, Trevor right? is the victim. Trevor's the victim. I, man. Yeah, I, 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 hope, I hope they got home safely. That's all I can tell you. <laughs> no, it said that like he was crying and he was like, F you. Like, so the way the guy told the story on the show was that Trevor Milton didn't know all these people really, but he wanted to throw a birthday party in Maui and make some new friends. And he also wanted some hot chicks to come with That's him. So he had like he them said. round up. But then nobody knew who he was because he invited all these strangers. So like they went for a hike. No one doesn't know Trevor Milton's there because nobody knows who he is in the first place. <laughs> That's so, what his friend so told us. He's like, they don't even know who you are. Story, if this is a true story, and I have no reason to believe it isn't, but remember, the visualizations that American Greed does are fabulous. They've got people on that show, you know, kind of hazy pictures of people that look like Milton, but yeah, really yeah. aren't Milton. Now, yeah, I believe yeah, yeah. that was him with Sasquatch, though, right? I mean, yeah, I think yeah, that, that was really an was. actual commercial. Yeah. I would like to get cast as uh, Trevor Milton. I wonder who the body double was who was walking around in that episode when they were, they were doing those reenactment <laughs> scenes. I thought that was good stuff. <laughs> Come on, guys. Let's go to the Turks and Caicos, and I'll tell you to sell all your stuff. Well, so <laughs> it was, look, it, I, I recommend people watch it. You said there's no heroes in there. I got to agree. That includes you. CNBC or whoever airs that putting three and a half minutes of commercials yeah, between geez. each break as I'm trying to watch this this morning to get caught up uh, for one know, of the I, truck. I, I should have done you a solid. I had an advanced copy with no commercials what? that I oh, watched what? the other night. I'm You're sorry. not a hero either, Alan. You Your hero I, status your has list. been revoked. I know. Uh, maybe you I'm should sorry. blow the whistle once in a while, Alan. What the well, hell, man? You know. Uh, you guys used to think I was a homer for those for for Nicola. Maybe I am. I don't think so. It is interesting that they're in business and that they're making they're doing business. You know, but, but you know, it's just. I mean, the Trevor Milton thing is fascinating because you know CNBC, of course, compares him to Elizabeth Holmes and yeah. you know Theranos. Uh, you know, who was the better con? You know, who do you think was the better con man or con woman? I I think that they are really pretty similar in a way, right? I mean, you know, the, the, obviously this is a blood testing and it's not anything involving your body. And I think that Milton just liked to talk. He mm. just loved to talk. And, you know, when you do that, and, and of course the, the whole question for me is how come nobody could stop him, right? I mean, it, you know, the problem is he's the executive chairman of the company. You know, they change the passwords and the social media accounts. He gets somebody to change them back. Right. So so how are you going to stop a guy like that? And yet it, it, what the defense has done in the trial, and this is interesting, guys, they have continued to bring up, well, wait a minute, Kim Brady, didn't you sign this document? And Mark Russell, didn't you appear here? And wasn't that a little bit misleading? You know, and wasn't that premature for you to be saying those things? What they're trying to do is to show that Milton wasn't the only one that was, you know, hyping Nicola. 
more to the point, and I don't know how they managed to get this guy, this Harvard prof who testified the other day. Um, he's being paid $1,250 an hour, by the way, for, for about a half a million dollars by the defense to basically say that, that tweets and social media have absolutely no influence on people's uh, stock buying behavior. Right. They only, how much is he paying? How much? Wait, how much is he paying? Twelve hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Good work. You're absolutely get right. Us influencers have no power to change markets or people's <laughs> buying decisions or anything like that whatsoever. Where's the money? See, and you'd do it for seven hundred an hour, wouldn't you, Dinner? <laughs> I'll do it for five fifty. You'd five fifty. <laughs> no, anyway, it's, the guy's got great credentials, um, but he didn't seem to know very much about. You know, the fact that the prosecution had interviewed 50, 50 investors, 50 day traders in the company. He wasn't aware that didn't put that into his model. So I don't know. Made a lot of money at it, though. I do like when they interview someone, though. They've been doing this a lot in like the GameStop one. And they actually did it in Nikola. And they'll interview someone and like their job like title will just be a retail investor. Which could be like any of us with the Robinhood account. Like I'd probably qualify to speak on there. Yeah, why not? <laughs> yes, you are. I, I like the I'm guy. Gonna I like the guy. Your, we're going to put that under your super next time, guys. Can you change Alan Adler to just retail investor under his name right now? <laughs> really? Yeah, you know what, guys? You have to change. Wait, you have to change my title soon to Midwest Bureau Chief. Why? Oh, because I'm right. leaving Detroit. We're moving away. Where are you going? Uh, west side of Michigan. Okay, but I can't call it Detroit anymore. Ooh, so. Yeah, Why, yeah. To bring very, down the property value? Uh, well, property value, here's an apartment, dude, so I'm overpaying, right? But, yeah. but, the, but you know, no, we'll build a condo out there, and it'll be done uh, in November. So, you know, we'll be moving. I have to change my title. Okay. okay. Well, hey, cool. we'll, we'll, if you want, like, an unofficial change, we can do it any time on this show. What, you know, you don't want to go full LinkedIn. Call me yeah. retail investor. That works for now. Retail investor, Ellen Adler. Sasquatch, <laughs> and he is now Sasquatch who kicked Trevor Milton in nuts. Oh, yeah. I love that. I, like I love that. that. Yeah. I like that. Well, Alan, thank, like thank you so much. Uh, I think you might be booked on this show one more time before F3. I can't remember. I haven't looked at the schedule. But if not, I will see you in uh, at F3, won't I? Chattanooga? Um, I, maybe, on, maybe on here you will. But yeah, oh. anyway, I'm not on the I'm not on the travel team for that, which is fine. I've got to go to ATA before that anyway. Okay. So, um, you know, so anyway, but listen, I love you guys and it's great to see you. And Michael, I didn't know your whole story. Um, that was, <laughs> oh, that, that wasn't was even half of it. That wasn't even half that was, of it. That was touching. We, we all have one of those stories, Michael. You know, we, where it wasn't we were even, sort of wasn't no longer, even no, your services are no longer required stories. Well, I, I just, I called my boss and said, hey, uh, I'm screwed, right? He goes, yeah, you're pretty screwed. <laughs> I said, all right. Yeah, getting fired right. is good. Yeah. You can go quietly or yeah. we'll help you out. He said, you got, you got three, he said, you got three weeks. Hey, in 2016, I never would have bought a $15 microphone on Amazon if I didn't get fired. So, there you go. Yeah, getting fired is good. New opportunities. Well, a $15 New windows. microphone? Can you get them for that soon? Oh, absolutely. My first setup on, on Amazon, I got fired from a, a sales job. My wife was just about to go pregnant. I had just gone into rehab for alcoholism and I had no money. So on Amazon, I got like a $200 laptop with an SSD. I got this uh, Chinese condenser mic. Don't get a condenser mic for podcasts. It was like $15, picked up so much outside noise, but it got, it got started. You know, it got everything started. There you go. Look Don't what it take money. greatness. And now you have a studio at home. Yeah. And I no longer have a dojo. All right. You know. Well, Good luck with the move, Midwest Bureau Chief. Take it easy. I got to talk to some hey. truckers now. Ex-truckers. Midwest retail Death investor. drivers. Take it easy. All right, he's gone. All right. Fleets today cannot waste time waiting for fully driverless technology. Look, well, that was th- these that first was awesome. reads of the month. You sounded like me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Fleets today.
today. Cannot waste time waiting for driverless technology. Locomation's autonomous relay convoy systems are safe. They're legal and they're profitable with no federal regulations holding them back. No. Join Locomation for the fastest path to commercial deployment at scale across the U.S. And to learn more, where do they go? They go to locomation.ai forward slash no barriers immediately after the show. I like that one that had us always being like, beyond fly. Yeah, that wasn't bad either. Well, you good know, for the hey. autonomous relay. Rooster, super trucker. Welcome to What the Truck. Hey, hey, afternoon. Hey, hey. Where's the rooster noise? Enter. Rooster noise. Enter. <laughs> There it is. <laughs> there we go. Uh, how you boys doing today? Doing well. It's getting a little chilly this week. I turned the heat on yesterday. It is. You guys, uh, we're, we'll get a little more into what's going on in your podcast at the end of the show. But Rooster, I think he did like two shows in a row on cargo theft. And I know we've covered it on here. And there's been a bunch of articles on Back the Truck Up going on. So that'll be really interesting. Go to backthetruckup.com. You can hear the latest episode there. Just I think it just posted at noon. So that new episode is up. Mm-hmm. Or your favorite podcast player, Look up, back the truck up. But now, since you are our trucking experts here, we got some topics to run through with you. And the first one that caught my eye was about choosing your mode. Someone on Freightways put up this, I mean, not on Freightways, on Reddit put up this post. Take a look here. The guy says, he puts this big eye-catching number. He says, I made $233 a mile moving this. $1,400 to only go six miles. Ooh, sounds like a dream. And he made $8,400 in a little over a day. And then a lot of truckers in the comments were like, I'm going to stop doing reefer. I'm going to stop doing LTL. I'm going to stop doing OTR. I'm going to start pulling heavy stuff. Um, <laughs> let's start with the rooster because he's, he's got his head back. He's like, he looks like he already has a headache and he's about to have an aneurysm. Um, <laughs> what is going on here? And what should people know about this high paying heavy loads? Permits, escorts, <laughs> state police escorts. That $8,400 got spent. I guarantee you that. Hmm. Wow, for six miles? Oh, yeah. I mean, some places you got to have a, a permit escort as soon as you leave the driveway. You got you to gotta have some, you got to do some heavy tweaking to your truck, too, don't you? Oh, yeah, that's a vocational. That ain't a, that ain't a standard road truck to pull something that heavy. That, well, that's he, that's going to be, that's going to be definitely in the 14, 15,000 pound axle class. The the original poster, he was kind of trying to sober people up a little bit who are like, this is amazing. He's like, it's great, but you first of all, you got to get the business. Because once you do with this kind of heavy haul, you're kind of like protected from the market. You're not going to see those giant swings because people want someone who's very reliable to pull that stuff. However, even getting in there, yeah. the barrier to entry, this guy said it was twenty five. Uh, $250,000 just for the truck. He put another 50000 in it just mm-hmm. to run it. And he can't wait to get rid of it once it's out of warranty because it's so intensive running these trucks. The, the coolant gets so hot and the, the, the thing's always running hot. And it's breaking down and, and all the stress you put on, he can't wait to get out of it. So maybe heavy haul is not the best mode to get into. But let's talk about that. Justin, what do you think is the best mode to get into right now? Is it, is it OTR? Is it LTL? Is it reefer? All depends on what your lifestyle is. You know, if you don't mind being away from home, OTR is some good money out there, especially if you're on a dedicated lane. Um, but if you're trying to stay home and go home every night, you know, LTL is not bad because a lot of those carriers also pay overtime, but you're going to be working a lot of hours. Rooster, how do we get rich? How do you get rich as a truck driver? Uh, Alaska, oil fields. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hearing there's actually a very, very big demand in anybody that is in uh qualified for a, Earth moving equipment for like a moving of uh, like gold ore, iron ore, iron ore, you know, lithium ore, 
You know, anybody that's qualified to run those uh, those big earth movers, there's a big demand for those guys right now. Yeah, but you're you're living in a remote part of the country yeah. doing that type of stuff as well, right? So it, it does come down to what type of living conditions that you you know you can put up with, right? Yeah, but I mean, you also think you know th- those are top tier paychecks you're looking at too. Uh, oh. Some of those are actually seasonal, where you only like Alaska. It's seasonal. You only work a few months out of year, yet you're uh, you're bringing easily six figures, possibly even seven figures home. It sounds yeah. like if you you know you don't have family to take care of, or you're, you're you know you're not married and have kids or something like that. There's it's a lot easier to make a lot of money in trucking and a lot more comfortable yeah. because if you want to live comfortably and be home, you you got to make those sacrifices, right? I mean, in terms of pay. Yeah, that's a that's a big thing. If you a lot of people, you know, they have wife and kids at home, you have those responsibilities you got to look at first before you look at anything else. But if you're you know single, no kids, don't have you know, anything to tie you down, you know, you live life on the road. I mean, why not go for the biggest paycheck possible? Well, yeah. life on the road can come with temptation. There has been on TikTok, <laughs> there has been this big, uh, <laughs> people are saying right here, so you know how the hurricane happened, all the repair people are coming down. So this this girl on here, she posts, <laughs> I am a pipeline wife. We've dealt with rojos before TikTok. I stand with all the linemen wives as they prepare to take on Florida's bucket bunnies. Blue collar is not a trend. It's a lifestyle. Now, for those of you who don't understand what she just said here, because there are some people on Twitter like, what does that mean? It means that she is the wife of a, of a pipeline contractor who is down in Florida right now, away from home, and there are women who target them for relationships on sites like Tinder uh, while they're away. And she is nervous about that, and she doesn't want someone taking her power line husband, I guess, right? I, I get they're, they're so they're like lot lizard, like they're prostitutes. No, no. So like the, the distinction I would think here and tell me if you guys agree, but the distinction I'm coming up in my head is that these are not prostitutes because they're on Tinder. These are people who are like actually looking for some type of relationship. So they're actually more of an existential threat. The bucket bunny is more of an existential threat than the lot lizard is because the lot lizard's transactional. So she's out of the truck. You're probably not going to have like a relationship and run off with her. But a bucket bunny, on the other hand, is someone who is, is right. She might that woman might take you from your wife. Sound accurate. These, these, these guys are like they're working away from home. They're going to have to go back home once the job is done. But what if they run off? Would they like Florida so much? They start just fixing power lines down there. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Careful. I don't know. Well, so, look in in trucking. Like I just learned this term, bucket bunnies and these these rojos. I didn't know this term before. They're a little bit disrespectful. But putting that aside, let's talk a little bit about here in trucking. If there were a name for a type of woman who just targets truck drivers, not a lot lizard, a woman who tries to target them on Tinder for relationships. You guys like have any names we could come up? Like I came up with a few. One of them was like drive in vixens. LTL Lolitas, we got uh, like Rats, Rats, Hall Hussies, sleep, Sleeper Creepers, right? What about Heavy Hall Hamsters? We we're talking about Heavy Hall. That's a good one. Open Deck Deer. Uh, how about a, a Parcel Princess? Parcel Is that Princess. Is Soil Annie? Soil Annie's a good one. <laughs> how, about, how about you, Justin? You said you were talking to your wife about this. Yeah, we can. <laughs> I'm going to try and get through this list. We came up with some good ones here. Uh, cargo Kittens. Oh, trailer ooh. troopers, ooh. driver divers, ooh. rest stop, <laughs> rest, rest stop Ramonas. Oh, nice. oh yeah. Million mile mollies. Oh, oh, she likes, she likes a safe driver. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, 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 load driver. lovers, shift seekers, gear girls, gear gals, parking lot prowlers, and then we try to go for some animal ones, and that's kind of limited because tea doesn't really start with much. So we have uh, truck trouts and uh, tractor trailer tarantulas. 
Oh, truck traps is a good one. <laughs> truck traps, yeah. What do you, what do you got, Rooster? Like you got any cute names? Uh, commercial company, pavement princess, mm. sleeper leapers, mattress maidens, sleeper leapers, sleeper leapers, a good sleeper one. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think they stand up with you? Will they have the longevity on TikTok uh, as Bucket Bunny? We'll have to find out. Commercial company, commercial company is a pretty. Uh, that is a, that that's is a, actually that's pretty, pretty good. good. I like that. Parcel one. princess driver. works really well too because that that goes with like all the delivery guys. Not yeah, just yeah, yeah. Driving. Yeah, but let's be. But is this a myth though? Like, are there really? Like, I kind of think this is a myth. Are there really bucket bunnies? Are there really these women out here targeting these particular jobs? I mean, I'm sure there are. I know there's people who target like military and stuff. But is, or is it just like maybe this? Like maybe his wife didn't have the best personality, and now like he met another woman while he's out. I don't know. It sounds like she was smitten or yeah, I don't know. It, it, a lot of this too is just they're all on TikTok, like getting into the drama with each other. So most of it's just like one claps back at one, and, and it just goes back yeah. and forth. This this kind of stuff's gonna happen, you know, all throughout history. You know, huh. it's it's a tale as old as time. I, I, I find it hard to believe that there's this this huge uh, uh, community of women in Florida that are going, "All right, we had a hurricane. Don't give me a husband." <laughs> and running out, you know. I I just don't I don't see it. You know. You uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, a rooster's disagreeing with me there, brother. I don't, I don't know. All I gotta say, all I gotta say is, if you catch your husband at Bears Avenue in Tampa, you gotta might as well call it the divorce lawyer. That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> or the clinic, right? Yeah, or the clinic. One or the other. One or the other. Hey, you know, let's move on to another subject here. Okay. <laughs> but this one goes along well with the previous uh, music, right? Music, and if you got the bucket bunny, you got the soft music playing. Well, you, yeah, you got groupies. Yeah, everything's happening. No, let's, let's talk about trucking music though. And this came up a lot during like truck driver appreciation week. It comes up when like corporations want to like honor truck drivers, and they they yeah. look at them sort of like. Trainers like a very big stereotype, I think, in marketing. Like they'll assume like every mm -hmm. truck driver listens to Eastbound and Down, and like that's the only music you listen to is like songs uh, like literally about people trucking, as if like office workers like just drove to work every day listening to Nine to Five on repeat or some <laughs> shit like that. Like I don't think so. But is it true? Do, do all truck drivers listen to Eastbound and Down? No. No, and, and like, I, I'm all. from Phil I was in Philadelphia for like five years. Like none of the guys I worked with listened to that. No, I mean Justin. Justin had uh, Abba like uh, on his right. Didn't you have that, <laughs> one Abba on you? No, you're not going to admit that. On my on phone? Actually, yeah, I do. I, I yeah, do see, some, there I, you I go. I listen to Abba a lot while I'm driving. There you go. My, my range is, is <laughs> all over dancing the place. Yeah. I'll, Ace I'll of base. You know, Abba, um, EDM, video game soundtracks, movie soundtracks. You know, you name it. anything that's like, like super high energy just to keep you awake. Do you listen kind of like, like movies? Like movie soundtracks that like like from Forrest Gump or like movie soundtracks from like uh, Gone with the Wind where it's just the music, the dramatic music. Well, one's called a score. No, lots, lots, lots hey, you're right. It is. You're right. One's yeah. a score and one's a soundtrack. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. There's Zimmer's a distinction. Really like Lot Lizard and, you're right. and Bucket Bunny. They're not the same thing. <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, I know the difference. <laughs> no, but like, so when you see that these articles, I, I think this is this is kind of interesting, but I was curious from like the driver perspective and you see those sort of like stereotypical ones of like the songs that truck drivers listen to like justin what do you what do you think when you see those and you think that you think they're missing the mark when they advertise to truckers as a like a stereotyped archetyped category or is that the right way to go about yeah. it yeah i think they're looking at guys from the movies in like the 70s i don't think they've actually met a truck driver in person yeah. face to face or they might not know any truck drivers personally you know they're yeah. they truck drivers come from all walks of life every race gender working class background you can you name it you know they're going to have a wide variety 
of uh, tastes and interests. Yeah, like a 24-year-old trucker is going to listen to music that 24-year-olds typically listen to. That's going to be much yeah. more popular. Yeah. I would think hard, so. Just like a 55-year-old would, so. would be listening to like the music of their era and their generation much more mm -hmm. likely than, you know, Megan The Stallion or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Rooster, Taylor Swift, that's all he listened to when he was driving. Was well, what kind of what kind of advice do you have oh. for those what kind of advice do you have for those marketers? Cuz I I cringe a lot when I see those those kind of articles in that positioning. What how should they be positioning their sort of products or thought leadership to drivers? Go on TikTok and look at what the guys are saying to each other, you know. Yeah. It's it's out there. They Research. just need to dig a little bit. Yeah, just do some little a little due diligence goes a long way. No, social media has no influence. I saw that <laughs> in a Trevor Milton trial. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> can't be right. Dude. You can't be Rooster, right. you got you got any advice there too? You're an opinionated character. What do you think that people should do better when trying to just address the truck? I mean, not think of it as like that sole organism. I mean, people got first understand what trucking is, what trucking is about. Then just uh, you know, do some basic research. I mean, five minutes online, do. Do a like within a year, Google truck songs, truck lifestyles, uh, tr basically news stories, you know, back to truck.com. I mean, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Freight culture site by truckers, yeah. industry yeah. veterans. That would, that would tell you what's up. Uh, some of the things you might learn is some safety here. This is going to be a quick one. But play this video really quick and, and just tell me what this guy did wrong after oh, we God. watch it. Roll the tape. Hello, Mr. George. How much you pay for the, for the new guy? 20 bucks? No, too much money. It's no good, oh. no good operator. <laughs> that is that's heavy. nothing to laugh at. No, that's, that's heavy. That, that's 40,000 pounds right there. That will kill you in an instant. See, now when you talk about what scares you most on yeah. the road, that's what I no, talk that's, about. Is that shit there's a lot of subjects that we joke around here. This isn't really one of them. This is, this is safety for a driver at yeah. the loading point. What went wrong there, Rooster? What are you seeing that, that should have happened that didn't happen? Uh, first, that coil was on that uh, loader incorrectly. It was you could tell it was already about halfway off the the pole. It should that driver should have waved that off and told him to put that on the ground, get back up under that, get back up under that coil like he's supposed to. That could have easily killed him, killed that that loader operator, uh, anybody that was around. That's I mean, if the if the band on that coil broke and that thing unwound, it would have been, you know. Uh, the lights out for that guy. Yeah, really? I didn't even think of that. I'm just looking at the weight mm. of that thing and unbanding it is wow. The energy that's in that thing is amazing. Yeah, I mean, you Never saw what it. that did to the trailer. If that hit that oh, guy, he'd be crippled God. or dead. Yeah, it, it ruined that trailer. That trailer's done for. Yeah, I bet it broke. It broke the probably back on that trailer. The truck too. What's up, Justin? Yeah, it probably did some damage to the truck too. I would think oh, so. Yeah. And that's just one. Like that. That's going to hold multiple of those coils. Is that not usually at least several? Um, mm -hmm. Well, corn, how big that coal is, you know, sometimes you can only run one coal at a time because it weighs so much. Were they trying to lay that thing down on its side? Is that what they were trying no. to do? No, okay. they, they stand up. If you look on that trailer, you'll see the four by four dunnage. Yeah. That, that's inside of the rack that yeah. the coal sits on that dunnage vertically. Then they'll run, you know, supposed to be running chains, but they were, there's some fools out there that'll run, you know, they don't want rust on their coal. So they tell them to run straps and you have to run about, uh, eight, ten set of straps through it to make it hold, but you know it's it's not supposed to lay down. It's supposed to stand straight up on the on the side like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
interesting. Now, Rooster, you are a farmer, so I got to ask you a quick question before, <laughs> before we wrap things up and send people home. There, there's a farm. I got to know if this is fair or felt. There's a farm in Michigan that has gotten in trouble for using human, untreated human waste instead of animal manure on its crops. Is this a typical practice in farming? Uh. Haven't heard. I haven't heard human manure, but the okay. uh, animal manure is used commonly. Yeah, that's I mean, fine. Uh, you have chicken litter spread around. Uh, God knows what's in it, and come all that lab lab made food. Uh, cattle manure. Uh, hog lagoons are drained out and pumped through irrigation. Uh, it's something that's still used as a cheaper alternative than you know uh, having to pay for uh, modern fertilizers. All right, well, then, Justin, next time you got to go, let me know. I'm trying to plant a garden. <laughs> anyway, guys out there, hundreds of truck drivers, uh, hundreds of truck drivers at New England's largest wholesale food distributor have gone on strike. That story is going to be up on backtotruckup.com. Go read that. Um, what else is going on here? There's a couple other strikes going on. There's some good stuff Rooster's putting up. Check it out. Check out the new Back to Truck Up podcast by looking at Back to Truck Up wherever you get audio podcasts. Look up What the Truck when you're there. Subscribe to both. Download straight ways so you have to watch this show. Find me on Twitter at Cynthia Dooner. Find him at Vincent the Dude. Find that Back the Truck. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.